place it comfortably. So, hello everyone and welcome back again. Hello everyone online. Um, hope everyone had a good break. Could have a, have a break from the um, the routine at times, isn't it? it? Shakes everything up, and then you come back again. So, if it's like like me, it was good to have a break, and it's also good to be be back again. Um, I think we had quite an enjoyable break. Um, as you know, we live in Avalon. I think that was maybe only once or twice that we got past the Bulgola bends. <laughs> so uh, we were we were up there enjoying the ocean and. Uh, the environment <clears throat> quite a lot, including um, two solo boat trips. I went down to Sydney Harbour and back, which were very enjoyable. Hard, but enjoyable. But in terms of uh, um, ships, too, um, one of the one of the trips we made down to Sydney Harbour on the museum is um, Hands, who some of you know in our group. Um, He's a captain of the James Craig, the tall ship, and he um, invited us as guests to go out on New Year's Eve to watch the fireworks. So we're on the James Craig, you know, on this wonderful old ship with the masts and the rigging and, and looking through that to the uh, the, uh, the fireworks in the box seat underneath, sitting at the, um, the Harbour Bridge. But that's the point where I wanted to start this talk because um, uh, as you've seen, you know, from the fireworks, they're, they're very amazing and colourful and you, you get engrossed in them. And that was all occurring. It was very wonderful. And then I looked up at the moon and the um, underneath all of this display it was going on that everyone's just transit. But there's the moon up there. Right? And I wrote a little haiku um, to remember it to myself. There above the fireworks and the rattle-dattle, the moon shines serenely over Sydney Harbour, New Year's Eve. And um, as, you, as you may know from you, the literature of Zen is um, the moon is often used as a metaphor in Zen for the, uh, the wisdom of serenity and compassion. Um, and uh, it's, it's important that we don't see it as a metaphor like the moon as some kind of ethereal soul or whatever over and above the world, you know, it's all interconnected. But the, the, the experience that we touch on more from doing practice is that everything changes and nothing changes. And as logic, that doesn't go together, but as an experience, that's the best way that you can describe it. And in a sense, the moon is that, um, that, that unchanging quality that's there, that serenity of wisdom and compassion, which is always there. But what we get, you know, caught up in, in our life with so much is that we're transfixed by the, the fireworks and the rattle-dazzle, you know, and the excitement and the newness, you know, and the success of things and the baubles of life. And they're all there. That's all part of life. But I think with... Um, so in practice, we see all that and we embrace all of that and, and that's enjoyable. But you look up and there's the moon, the quiet moon, the quite modest, serene moon just shining over everything. 
And um, when you think of it, it's all light. You know, the, the fireworks is a light show and the moon is a light show as well. It's all light. And really, really what our, our practice comes down to, um, we meditate, we follow the precepts, we develop a deeper insight. Um, it's not about special experiences that you all know, but what our practice always comes back to is really appreciating the, the ordinary um, wonder of life. That, that's what it comes back to over and over again. If that's what you cultivate through your practice, that you've just got this deeper appreciation and understanding of the ordinary wonder of, of every moment of your life, <coughs> then you're really touching base with what the, the essence of the practice is. And we can, we can so get caught up in our um, self-preoccupation, you know, our, our routine of doing things, um, the things that are closest to us, um, and we miss the big picture. Yeah. And so the more we allow the big picture to sort of come in and um, shed light on our everyday activities, um, then, then you're practicing Zen. And um, uh, the other thing I did over the break is I wrote another two chapters of my book on the precepts. So I'm now into the home run, and I've just got the tenth one now, which is about um, not defaming the three treasures, which is um, the three treasures being Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha. And I'm only just starting to gather some ideas about how to write on that. But just to share with you some of those formative ideas in relation to what I'm talking about, is that, um, of course, in its literal sense, you know, um, if you're practicing Zen as a form of Buddhism, um, there's, a, there's a respect for the founder, the Buddha, you know, who had this, um, developed this deep sense of ordinary wonder, you know, and uh, you may or may not be like me, but I'm not actually a particularly devotional person. I don't feel a, a strong sense of devotion to the Buddha. For me, it's more like a sense of respect, um, of how I would describe it. So there's a respect for the Buddha. There's a, a respect and care for the, for the teachings, the Dharma. And there's a sense of reverence for the Sangha or community. We're a Sangha. But if you look at the the the, um, the the broader or the deeper or the wider understanding of um, not defaming Buddha, Dharma and Sangha, well, Buddha nature pervades everywhere. Right? The Dharma is a universal law. The Sangha is not just this group or monks, groups of monks or Buddhas. The community is everything. There's nothing that's not in the Sangha, including earthworms and flies and koalas, you know, and fish. You know. And uh, so when you look at it in that, that broader, non-literal sense, um, it's really pointing to the fact that everything is, is sacred. Um, and that's what we 
that's when we come back to living um, and recognising through this practice. And many, many people over the centuries of you know human civilization, um, philosophers as well as you know um, spiritually minded people who approach it either through language or they, they approach it, approach it through non-verbal kind of means like meditation. Everyone is in awe of the fact that there is something rather than nothing. There, there is life rather than the fact that there's not life. There's a universe, there's light, there's darkness, there's colour, there's smells, there's taste, there's touch. And we're, that's what we're living every moment of our life. And yet we can become so self-preoccupied, we think it's boring or mundane or whatever. So the, the touchstone of our practice all the time is to, to come back to recognising the sacredness in every everything um, and everything that we do. And to realise this goes contrary to the way that we're often taught through our education to experience life. But we think of as ourselves as human beings as being intelligent, you know, and that we're probably the most intelligent species to know on the planet, maybe. Um, but and that we live in a kind of a, a non-intelligent universe and we make sense out of it or we understand it or whatever. But what you come to realise through through practice is the whole universe is intelligent. Mm-hmm. Plants are intelligent, clouds are intelligent, rocks are intelligent. The way the, the earth moves around the sun, you know, and the other planets, it's all intelligence. I'm not saying there's a god who made it. I'm not saying that. But it, it is all intelligent. Um, and it all has its own wisdom. And if we really become one with life, um, it's not as though we're some special intelligent creature, you know, trying to work it out and make sense of it all. It's that we just realise we're part of that all, all of that um, organic intelligence that just runs through everything. And, and that's the difference that it makes.